Well, it is Memorial Day weekend, uh, our unofficial start of summer, and more importantly, a day that we do look back and remember uh, those who have served us uh, and given their lives to protect us and protect our rights. Uh, a day that we set aside to, to honor people who are serving us even still. In a few, you know, later this summer, we'll also celebrate our nation's birthday. Um, but today is also the day that we celebrate Pentecost, a spiritual holiday. Uh, and for the people of Israel, it was a holiday that uh, in some ways uh, combined both that remembrance as well as their birthday celebration all in, in one. So uh, we call it Pentecost. That's the, the Greek word. Um, but... The Hebrew word, and I'm not great at speaking Hebrew, so those of you who are, I may say it funny, but it's Shavuot. Uh, and so uh, this holiday was the festival of weeks. It came uh, 50 days, seven weeks, a week of weeks. Does that make sense? Okay, you're tracking with me? Good, good. Um, so it came 50 days after the festival of first fruits. Uh, and it is a harvest festival. Uh, the people of Israel had two main harvest times, and the first one was the early wheat harvest, and Pentecost celebrates the harvest of wheat. In the intertestamental time, uh, a little over 100 years before Jesus was born, um, the leaders of the Israelites uh, kind of recognized that God had established his people in this same month that the celebration of weeks took place. And so as part of the celebration, they incorporated a reading of the law. So they remembered that at Mount Sinai, God had brought them up out of Egypt, out of slavery, and gathered them together as a people and given them his law and established them as his own. So it, it's a birthday celebration as well as a harvest celebration, and it takes place 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, Shavuot, Shavuot is one of the three annual pilgrimage holidays where the men in the family, if not more of the family, would travel to the temple to celebrate the festival. As part of their tradition, not only did they stay up all night to read the law of Moses, or at least parts of it, but they would often read a passage from Ezekiel 37. So I'd like to read Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, just to set us up for what we're going to experience in Acts 2. The hand of, this is Ezekiel 37, starting at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
That is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So this process had happened for centuries, and this celebration of the law had happened for over a hundred years when Jesus comes on the scene. And we'll fast forward a little bit further to the year that Jesus died. It just so happens that Jesus died on a Jewish holiday. Uh, He stayed in the ground on that Sabbath Saturday and then that first day of the week, Easter Sunday. We call it Easter, but for them, it was the festival of first fruits. The mark of the calendar 50 days later Pentecost comes. So Jesus, in fulfillment of their festival of first fruits, is the firstborn from among the dead. He's raised to new life and he spends time with his disciples, makes appearances, teaches them, and prepares them for him to leave. Forty days later, he ascends into heaven. Ten days after that, brings us to 50 days from the celebration of first fruits, Pentecost. Shavuot. And again, the disciples have gathered together to celebrate this important holiday where they remember that God established them as a people. And they gather together in this house. And it's fun to imagine that as they had stayed up all night reading parts of the law of Moses, that they may have even been reading this passage from Ezekiel 37 about God sending his spirit when we get to our text today, which was recorded for us by Luke in Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be 
tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. So just as Jesus had fulfilled the celebration of first fruits on what we call Easter, 50 days later, a week of weeks, we celebrate Pentecost, the fulfillment of God's celebration of of harvest and Shavuot. The festival of weeks is fulfilled as the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people. And what was celebrated as the birth of God's people is now reimagined, reestablished, rebranded as the birthday of the Church of Jesus Christ. As God establishes us as the body of Christ in this place and unleashes the Holy Spirit on them again. It's fun to imagine that they might have even been reading that passage in Ezekiel 37 about rattling bones and then rushing wind, bringing dead bones to life. As the winds of heaven rush into this place and it creates such a commotion that all these Jews who had made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem from all around the world hear this commotion and they decide they have to go check it out. And so they go to the place where the disciples, the apostles are. And suddenly they see people standing there and speaking with little flames of fire above their heads. And while they recognize that all the people there are Galileans, these people who have gathered from all different places of the world recognize that they are declaring things, truths about God in their native languages. And they're amazed. They, they kind of ask what is going on and uh, some laugh and say, oh, maybe they drunk, they've had too much wine. Peter stands up and says, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. What... We haven't had any wine. Um, but then Peter proceeds to give his first of many powerful sermons, declaring the wonder and glory of God and what he's done for us in and through Jesus Christ. 
And at the conclusion of the sermon, 3,000 people commit their lives to Jesus as the Spirit is unleashed among his people. So this morning we want to spend some time just reflecting on what it means, who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do among us? And there are lots of things that the Spirit does, and I'm going to highlight a number of things from a number of verses, but we're going to talk about three main points. And so uh, we just had this look back uh, to the festival weeks and Ezekiel and, and how that plays again in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit unites God's people. These Jews from all around the world heard God telling them their message through these Galileans speaking their native languages. And it brings us back to a long time well before the Festival of Weeks was even instituted in Genesis chapter 11. So it's after the time of the flood and Noah. But still, we see this progression of sin infecting humanity. And in Genesis chapter 11, God records for us that human beings came together in a place called Babel, which is the same root as Babylon, uh, which we know Babylon eventually became this historical empire. But it's also used in the Bible as a symbol of earthly power, of an earthly kingdom, of an earthly way of life, separated and opposed to God's way of life. So in this place called Babel, people came together and said, let us build a tower so tall it reaches to the heavens where we can basically demonstrate that we would be equal to God. But God can see ahead what would happen if they accomplished that and the progression of sin that would come so quickly as he just tried to resolve it through the flood. And so for our protection and to give us the opportunity to wait for him to really send his Messiah as he planned, he confuses their languages and sends them across the world so that it's more difficult for us to work together in our sin. And so then we we fast forward to Acts chapter 2. And we see now that Jesus has come and the kingdom of God is near. God is doing something new and wonderful and he's healing the curse. We won't experience that in full fulfillment here on this earth, but God will establish a new heaven and a new earth where all the fulfillment of his promises will be realized. And we will see and experience the truth and the wonder of God making all things new through Jesus. So on this first Pentecost of the Christian church, God sends his spirit, unleashes it, and we see that the Holy Spirit unites God's people. That suddenly this confusion that God planted in humanity, confusing our languages to protect us and separate us from our own sin and our own depravity. Now, because the Spirit is unleashed, 
and God is establishing and building something new. Now, suddenly, these people who didn't know these other languages, by the power of the Spirit, are able to speak in these languages to declare the wonder of what God is doing. Um, so God breaks through the barrier of languages in order to unite us as the Spirit is sent out among us. He breaks through the barriers of culture. He breaks through the barriers of even our, our unique personalities. All these barriers that we have to working together, now the Holy Spirit is able to knit those together in this diversity and unity that only God could create beauty out of. But the Holy Spirit unites his people. That even though, uh, you know, I was just uh, talking with someone this morning. As God unleashes his people, uh, his spirit on his people, God chooses to live in and with us all the time. God is with us 24-7. 24-7. And we know that that's a challenge for any of us to be with anyone that much, right? Even those of us who have devoted our lives to, to each other and walked through in marriage or in family, uh, you know, um, we need some time alone because we just can't handle that much time with each other, right? Um, we get on each other's nerves. We get weak. But God, through his spirit, is with us all the time, and as he is, he works through and overcomes the barriers of our diversity and our confusion, our different languages, our different cultures, our different personalities, and brings us together as the body of Christ. Second, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and our helper. In John chapter 16, the night Jesus is betrayed, he's meeting with his disciples in the upper room. And he teaches them all kinds of important things to prepare them for what is about to happen. But he says, it is good for you that I'm going away. I'm going to return to my Father, and when I return to him, I will send the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, to you. But if I stay with you, the Holy Spirit won't come. And it's a confusing message for these disciples who've devoted their lives, left their past, left their vocations to follow after Jesus, and they love him. They've spent three years with him, and they just want more. But Jesus says, it's good for you that I'm going to go away because I'm going to send the Spirit And the Spirit will be your advocate, your helper. He will sustain you. The Spirit will speak on your behalf and intercede for you. We learn about that in Romans 8.26, where Paul tells us, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit is our advocate. He stands in the gap and goes before us. He speaks on our behalf before the Father. 
He prays for us and redeems our prayers. Sometimes we ask for things that we think we need and the Spirit corrects it so that we ask the Father for what we actually need. Sometimes we don't know what to say. And the Spirit continues to speak and intercede for us with groans that we don't even understand, it says. The Spirit is our helper, our supporter, our advocate. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul explains that the Spirit gives us wisdom and understanding. Uh, that through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we can understand the things of God that are so foreign to us as broken human beings. At the conclusion, verse 16, he says, we have the mind of Christ. That by the Spirit... We have the ability to understand and discern the things of God as Jesus would. Now, obviously, we don't do that perfectly, and, and the Spirit is continuing to re- redeem and restore and refine us throughout our lives. But we have access to the actual wisdom and understanding of the Lord who made us. So that we can learn and be convicted of our sin and understand better and better what God wants to do in and through us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate and our helper. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes that the Spirit equips us with gifts, spiritual gifts. That we have different gifts given among us. Some of them are named and labeled in 1 Corinthians. Some of them are named and labeled in other places in the New Testament. But the, the fact of the matter is that the Holy Spirit lives in us and works in us so that together we can work together to do what God has called us to do. We can continue his mission as the light of the world that those who are lost in darkness would be convicted of their sin, turn from their human ways toward the one who can save them, the one who can rescue them, the one who made them and loves them. And so, none of us has all the gifts required to accomplish this mission that Jesus has given us. But together, in the diversity that we experience together, the Spirit equips each of us with different gifts so that together we function as a complete body of Christ. In our congregation, we experience that. Sometimes in our small groups, we experience that. But even globally, with people that we don't even interact with, God is doing that and equipping his church across the world so that wherever God's people are, they're equipped to help others come into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit unites God's people, and the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper. He equips us. He gifts us. We have knowledge that would be inaccessible to us. We have gifts that only he can give. And as he gives them, we work together, sharpening one another, 
partnering with one another as God makes all things new and draws people into his family. Third, the Holy Spirit is God with us. Now, this is a name given to Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But the Holy Spirit is truly God with us as well. Jesus said it would be good for us if he went to be with the Father in heaven and sent the Spirit to us. We see throughout Scripture, as God writes this story of who he is and how he desires to interact with us, what he wants to have accomplished in our lives and throughout the world in human history. We see that God continues to move closer and closer and closer to his people. In the Old Testament, as things begin, his presence is housed in a place, in the tabernacle, in the temple. People go to that place, they prepare themselves to go to that place and experience him. But then, God's Son, Jesus Christ, God himself, enters the scene. God puts flesh on so that we can see him as one of us, that we can experience him. We can hear him speak to us. We can walk down the road with him. We watch him eat, and we eat with him. God becomes kind of more accessible, more normal. He's, he's near us. He's with us. He's a person. But then Jesus ascends to heaven and sends the Spirit. And now we don't have to travel to a certain city where Jesus might be, but instead God unleashes his Spirit so that everywhere his people are, his presence is. We are truly never alone as God's people. God is always with us. He doesn't hide in a place, and he's not located only in one person that we would have to travel to see and hear. But God's spirit indwells his people so that by faith in Jesus, God is with us right where we are all the time. God is with us. He's always close. There are a number of verses, uh, and I think there's even more in your bulletin than there are on the screen. Um, I'm going to highlight at least one thing from each of these passages, I think. In John 7, Jesus is celebrating a different festival, the <clears throat> Festival of Tabernacles. It's kind of a fun passage. People tell him he should go, and he says, no, it's not my time. I'm not going to go, and then he shows up. I've always been confused by that. Um, but he always knows what he's doing and why he says what he says. Um, but then on the last and greatest day of the festival, John records for us that Jesus stands up and says that anyone who believes in him, rivers of living water will rise up and flow out from within them. And John explains for us that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. That as we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit erupts like old faithful within us. With living water, moving, active, empowering us, equipping us, and overflowing from 
us. So that everywhere we go, the Spirit is bubbling up over and splashing on all the people nearby. Spirit is God with us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, we're reminded that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God himself lives in us. We, it's good and right for us to gather together in this place. But we don't come here to find God because he's with us everywhere we go. We gather together for mutual encouragement and so that we can hear from the teaching of his word and we can be strengthened together and equipped together. Where two or more are gathered, Jesus has promised to be there and so we, we come to see that promise fulfilled among us, to be encouraged and reminded that we are not alone in this. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's nowhere for us to go if we are trusting in Jesus than to go to his word and be reminded that he is alive and active in us. It's awesome. Romans 8, Paul writes, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit is our advocate and our helper, and he is with us all the time. The Spirit revealed to Paul that it was his job, in fact, to raise Jesus from the dead. And so the one who raised Jesus from the dead, by faith in Jesus, now lives in each of us, equipping us as God's people to do exactly what he's called us to do. We are not alone, and God's power and presence is with us everywhere we go. Ephesians 5.18 uh, may feel like a strange verse to include for those of you who've memorized it, but it, it tells us to not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled by the Holy Spirit. And what it reminds us of is that there are so many things that we can try to fill ourselves with, so many spirits in the world that we might give ourselves to. But we want to guard and protect ourselves against those things, even spirits like being drunk with wine. We don't want to give our, our minds and ourselves to the confusion of the things of this world, but instead we want to be filled with the Spirit who is the one who raised Jesus from the dead and who is the very wisdom of God. We want to give ourselves to him so that we can be open and ready to go where he leads and do what he equips us to do. Galatians 5 and 6, um, I listed in your bulletin, verse five, chapter 5, verse 16, all the way through chapter 6, verse 10. I'm not going to read it all, but it's wonderful. I invite you to read it this week and just reflect on what God tells us about his spirit and what he wants to do in us. 
and how the Spirit then is at work in us as God's people, building us as a new community. Not just humans hanging out together, but a redeemed community of God's people, his very, the very body of Christ. God is with us. And in this passage, Paul describes for us the way of the world, the struggle of humanity, the way we live as human beings, as sinful human beings on our own. And he contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit, the things that are produced by the Spirit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. They're all good for us. Good, great, and wonderful things. And it's very different than the list that comes before it. The Holy Spirit is with us, producing peace and patience in a confusing and stressful world where everything around us and all the messages that we hear pretty much outside of God's message for us just lead us to anxiety and stress. They break us down and wear us out. The Holy Spirit produces in us, in the midst of all the chaos in the world, produces in us peace, patience, love, joy, gentleness, all things that humans need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is the verification that God has stamped his signet ring on us and said we belong to him. That as we go out in the world as his witnesses, Paul describes us in 2 Corinthians as God's ambassadors. We represent the king of kings. And when we speak on his behalf, we speak with the authority of God himself because the Holy Spirit lives in us and stamps the words that belong to him as belonging to him. Paul describes us even as letters from God, as if we were up, written out, folded up, and stamped with that wax signet ring imprinted and sent out to the people around us as a letter from the king. Listen to what I have to say. The Holy Spirit unites God's people, breaks through all the barriers and confusion and our diversity and our uniqueness, and weaves it together in a beautiful tapestry that God actually intends our diversity to bring fruit. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper. He equips us to do what God has called us to do and helps us understand who God is and what he means when he speaks. The Holy Spirit is God with us all the time. By faith in Jesus, we are never alone, but we belong to God, and he has made ourselves his dwelling place.
someday we'll experience the wonder and truth of that in fullness as we experience his presence more fully in heaven. But it's important for us to recognize that we are not far from God even now. That the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. God keeps moving closer. He used to put himself in a place so that we could go and experience his presence. And then Jesus entered as a person so we could interact with him and feel more close to God. That God, that Jesus accomplished what we needed as one of us to die on the cross for our sin, to be raised to new life, demonstrating that God will do everything he's promised. But now God is even closer. It's good for us. As cool as it would be to be able to interact with Jesus and ask him our questions, to walk alongside him as one of the disciples. But as we read the New Testament, sometimes it seems clear that not all our questions would be answered because Jesus still confused them all the time. But now... The Holy Spirit lives in us, and we have the very wisdom of God to discern the things of God. We can truly, as God's people, find nowhere to go where, where we are separated from him. And that's a little bit about what Pentecost is about. It's a very good thing. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. And we give you praise. We thank you. You are everything we need. It's how you made us. And it's just true. And we thank you that you continue to draw close to us. That even in the midst of our sin and depravity, you've never left us completely alone, but you've, you entered our world and you spoke and you guided. And then you entered your world as, our world as one of us, Jesus. You taught us and you helped us see who God is. And you did what we couldn't do for ourselves and you rescued and redeemed us. And now as we trust in you, Lord Jesus, you're present with us even now in a way that blows our minds but also comforts us. So we pray that you would equip us as your people. We pray that you would help us to lean into these truths and experience them more fully. That we would trust you to be who you said you are. Unleash your spirit among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.